Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds from KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochileo. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers. Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Hoodoo Cleansing Protection Magic. Monthly co-host, Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us, and my binaural production engineer, Damien Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great. And if you are interested in becoming a contributor to the show, just go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find a whole bunch of information there on how you can, can contribute. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Brian Bowden. Thank you for coming on today. Well, I thank you, Gary, for having me on the show. Uh, I heard a lot about the actual broadcast from one of your sponsors tonight, uh, Miss Aida, who's a has a fantastic series of books out there. So I, I'm honored to be on. Thank you. So I was just checking out uh, your website, your Facebook page, and and I saw that you were on a show on the Travel Channel, and it was about looking for the Jersey Devil. Now I don't know if you can tell, but I am originally from New Jersey. No, I did not know that. And um, <laughs> and I actually have family that lives on Leeds Road. No way. That's that's kind of cool. So you're you're uh, a, a close enough family where you've been down there a couple times. Oh, uh, I've been down there hundreds of times. <laughs> that, it's that's an interesting place in New Jersey. I mean, I have family. See, I'm in New York City, but my my aunt's down in the uh, Monmouth County area. And so I've been down there, but I've also investigated uh, Egg Harbor and that that lead, you know, that area for a while. Um, it's an interesting story, but it's a very interesting part of the country because you have over a million square uh, acres of land there. I mean, anything could disappear in that thing. So yeah. um, the fact that there people have are still to this day seeing this Jersey Devil, I do have a, a, a theory on what it could be. Um, but, uh, I didn't get to, to press that we were, they were sticking to this strict Jersey devil, you know, the, 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 the horse head and, and the, the tail and the, the wings. Um, I think we have a combination of a couple of different type of cryptids in that area, legitimate cryptids, because if you look at the location of where egg Harbor is mm -hmm. and to Maryland where they had goat man sightings, uh, into like, you know, uh, Closer to the Virginia area, uh, you know, where you had Mothman sightings or flying humanoids. I think what you do actually have is some kind of um, either a combination of, of, a, of a, a Mothman type flying cryptid or there's another cryptid, which I never wanted to believe in. I got to be honest, but my buddy was like, you got to listen, you got to listen. He's my partner in crime at Bronxville Paranormal that we do this investigation out of. Uh -huh. And it's called Dogman which is a cute way of saying a werewolf. Right. Um, and like to give you a visualization, if you've ever seen Van Helsing, um, the mm -hmm. werewolves in there, there's seven variants of this type of uh, a cryptid from something that looks like a soldier, like the werewolves in Van Helsing to something that's a little bit more like a hyena or a baboon. Um, 
but I think it's a combination of both that we have there. But that must have been fun. You must have had tons of stories about the Jersey Devil growing up. I heard them all. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, you didn't never, never, never had any encounters though. You know, I always wanted to find, you know, actually see it, but I'd never seen it. It's funny that you bring up Dogman because I never, right. Dogman, I, I live, I live in South Alabama now. Oh my and, God, and, 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 and between like where I live in New Orleans, mm-hmm. it's about, oh, yeah. like, it's about a three hour drive through Mississippi. Rougarou. And, um, and it's all about Dogman. Well, yeah, if you get to, uh, Alabama, um, the Mississippi, Louisiana area, you yep. know, like that. You know, get to, they call it the Rougarou. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's basically, let me let me just clarify for some of the people that may not understand when I say werewolf. Um, a lot of people see hear werewolf and they think of like a, a, a person, a human being that transforms into some kind of crazy animal. No, this is not that. This is an actual creature that is is a looks like a dog on. Or a wolf on uh, standing upright has huge claws, uh, minimum of like you know anywhere from seven feet on up, uh, in the same vein as Bigfoot would be. Um, and this is like a—it's not a changeling; it's just another type of cryptid. It's pretty nasty looking. I've I've seen one up close and personal, um, and it's—it's uh, it's not one that I want to keep continue to visit although my buddy's like right. yeah well, you know we should investigate it where did you see it let's hear about this okay so um one of the investigations if you're if you're from the the jersey area you may remember a place called a letchworth village mm-hmm. growing up it's it was a twenty-eight thousand acre i'm gonna call it a, an asylum or 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 a hospital for Unwanted people, uh, misfits, disfigurements, bastard children. And throughout the years, this is where you would throw your problems. You know, kids that had issues today that would normally go see a psychologist or psychiatrist, you know, that could deal with it. They would just throw them there. I can't handle it. Um, And one of the problems with that village is that a lot of the doctors there, not all of them, were abusing patients Mm -hmm. they were experimenting on them they were hurting them um i I forgot if it was the polio or the tuberculosis vaccination was tested there on children or people and the way they got a successful candidate is if you didn't die from it it was a it was a candidate um which is kind of scary so there's a there's a lot of people that were dying there you know from uh, two days old all the way up to 80 or 90 years old. And what they would do is they'd stick them off on the property on a, it was a, it was a, like a giant mound of a burial mound. They just kept dumping bodies there. And eventually someone found it and it's way away from the property. Um, and we've always wanted to go to the cemetery. They, some people have been able to find out some of the bodies that were through the records who was buried mm-hmm. there and they erected this big plaque. So you have to, it's on a it's on a side road. Um, you would never know it was there if you didn't look for it. You, you didn't know or found out about it. So you have to pull up, and um, there's a couple houses on the street, but basically very dusty. And we pulled up to it, and we were going on an investigation there. And when you walk down this pathway for about a quarter of a mile, it opens up, and you see this mound in front of you. And well, there's now a monument, and it lists a bunch of names. Not all of them that were buried there, the un- unknown. And literally, it tells you how old they are. And there were two-month-old babies there. 
I mean, I, I just, you know, as a father myself, mm-hmm. um, even when I was with, with my dog, it's just like, that's just too much to know that these, you know, how did they die? Was it, were they abused? Were they, you know, just sick? Were they tested? So we were doing a, a technically a spirit investigation, ghost investigation there. Then we get in there and we're, you know, setting up. And I said to my buddy, I said, let's sit behind the big monument, which was about, I would say about four feet high. It was about at least two feet thick. And I said, let's put our backs to that monument. So this way, nothing can come from behind us and we can get a good view of everything. And we set up there. So even if people walked in, they'd never see us. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just a strategy. But we started walking. We do an investigation and we heard... um, general dogs barking in the area and we were going through uh, different pathways led which led to like uh, what you would call an electric pathway where they had the high tension wires yeah which which mind you are used uh, often by some of the bigfoot cryptids that are there because it's no one goes there um and we didn't find anything super unusual but my buddy was like i'm just getting this vibe that something's up here i was in ghost hunting mode you know spirit mode not cryptid or anything but he kept on hearing things and at one point we saw um we saw pretty high up i'd say about nine feet up in the air you know in the air on a tree a twist and a break on a on a nice size tree and we were like whoa that's very sasquatch because Mm -hmm. they they're known to twist these branches like big thick branches and then bend them symbolizing like you know, this is a pathway or go this way so out of the blue we said let's just do a do some stuff here so my buddy tried to hit do some tree knocks and we got nothing i was getting uh, a emf detector out and i was getting some reason but again i'm really six feet from these high tension wires so i'm expecting some kind of residual uh, radiation and then we did a singing bowl. We use Tibetan singing bowls mm-hmm. a lot, and we sent that frequency out into the you know the the universe. There, my EMF started going a little bit crazy, and then my buddy yelled out a big whoop, like, whoop. and the minute that happened, all the dogs that were barking just went still. So we're like, "Ooh, this is interesting," because. You know, they should still be barking. We're making all this noise. They should be, but once they heard the whoop, they just like, whoop, no problem. They stopped. So we continue on. We took note of that and we were doing like EVP sessions for like, you know, who's here? Is there anybody buried here? And, um, we did find my, my buddy said, wow, that's a pretty big dog that's, that's barking. And it was a really big dog at one point as it got dusk, you know, like deep. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, that does sound like a pretty big dog. I know dogs because I grew up with show dogs. So I got dragged as a little kid to all these dog shows. <laughs> you know, it's like, what are we going to do now? I don't know. Um, and so I know the different breeds. I know what uh, like 90% of dogs sound like when they bark, no matter what the breed is. And I said, wow, that's a pretty big dog. That's like, you know, uh, uh, that's going to be a big boy if you see it. It's not like the, I had a bull terrier and he had a he had an interesting bark, but compared that to like a mastiff it's it's like more like hey i'm mm-hmm. here type of bark again i'm not in this mode of of dogman but we did discover uh off on a beaten path because we were headed out to go to uh get something to eat for dinner before we were gonna go in there for the night 
And um, we found a path and we found a tree structure. Now, Bigfoot leaves tree structures. It's not just bends and, yeah. you know, there is a purpose to these tree structures. Mm -hmm. I'm actually, I can see your microphone and oh. I can see the arc and the bend in it. Um, actually, I have a whole bunch uh, of pictures in this book of different tree structures. Yeah, it, it's it's very interesting. And now, again, if, if if someone was going into the forest, you would never notice them right. because it's it's meant to blend in. And some people say, well, it's just a natural occurrence. And I'm like, I would agree with you, but I've had interactions in those locations specifically. And one kind of validates the other. So a typical Bigfoot tree structure is, is crosses X's. It's, it's archways. Mm -hmm. It's, it's on the ground arrows. Um, like I said before, they'll twist the branch and bend it or they'll weave it into something. It's no possible way of doing it. Well, Dogman has their own tree structures. And basically, we found one. And what they like to do is they rip out a tree. I'm talking about at least three foot in diameter. They pull the tree out, and it has its roots on it. And these things are super, super strong, like a Sasquatch. And what they do is they turn it so the roots are up, and they suspend that in the middle with other trees with roots up, you know, connecting to it. So it looks like this really freaky tree umbrella. Hmm. And I started going a little bit further past that. And my buddy's like, you know what, Brian, come on back. I'm getting this vibe. They want to kind of separate us or they're trying to lead us into a direction. Because I was kind of like now I was getting a little bit more in investigator mode. So as the night, you know, we, we went out, we got something, we came back and we're, you know, it was your quintessential movie moment. We're on a cemetery. It was dark. There was a, a full moon. And out of the blue, this mist started rolling in. I'm like, do we have fogman here? You know, I'm thinking like it's very movie-esque. And I heard some more like sounds that sounded like big barks. And I'm like, ask my buddy, did you hear that? He goes, no, I didn't hear that. And it sounded like a growl or a grunt. And I'm like, that was odd. I was, you know, again, not thinking dogman, but he heard it. He was thinking dogman and I was focusing on, on the, you know, the other end of it, um, you know, uh, the, the uh, ghost slash EVP type of stuff. The, the fog comes in. Some guys that live in the neighborhood, they come flying in when we come back. And they're on this quadrant. I mean, they go and they're looking and they're like, we can't find him. We, you can hear them talking to somebody. We're looking. We can't find him. And then we finally find them. You know, we said, look, let's just reveal ourselves to them. So, you know, because it looks like they're looking you know and they're like what are you doing here and we said well we're paranormal investigators we're investigating this the cemetery and they you know they said oh they're just paranormal investigators are investigating the cemetery and they could get they got out as fast as possible so it was kind of odd it was mm -hmm. like they came in and then they got out they must have saw us with their headlamps on so we're doing this a little bit you know again we're hanging out there we're, we're doing the investigation and eventually they come back in again i said look Let's ask them if they've heard of anything, you know, unusual around here. They come back in. They go, oh, you guys are still here. I said, yeah, can we ask you a question? They said, no, no, we're out of here. And they got out. And it was like purposeful. So I took note of it. My buddy Al took note of it. We're hanging out there for a little bit longer. And then it started getting colder. So he said, you know what? Let's just get out of here. So we leave the cemetery and we start heading back up to his car, which is about a quarter of a mile up away. You know, you come out of these woods on a road. And if you, you make the left, you go up a quarter mile, you can see his car 
it was a uh, Jeep. And we parked it underneath the lamp where it looked like a, a pathway for people to run or hike through. And we're walking. And I have a blue light on. He's got a red light. We're walking. You know, going through. This was an interesting investigation. And I happened to have to urinate. I'm sorry, but it was cold and it was there for a while. But, <laughs> you know, um, and, and I, out of respect for the dead, I would not do that on the cemetery. So I figured, you know, when I get to the car, I'm unloading. I'll just go there. And as we walk up the car, we see eye shine. <clears throat> so we're looking I'm like, what is that? Maybe it's a deer, maybe, you know, and it's not moving. So maybe it's a dog or something because we start seeing a little bit pointy ears. And you got to understand the way he's parked, the passenger side, which I'm going to get it, is on the side closest to where this dog, you know, this, this creature is. And it's sitting there. It's not moving. It's got pointed ears and a big snout. It's just in the shadow where you can't make out the details, but you can see the eyes. They're yellow. And, you know, it's like reflection. I'm standing on a three foot grade. Okay. And this is below, you know, this is sitting below me on a three, you know, below me by three feet. I'm six foot one. So we're looking at it. We're finding it on like, dude, that, that looks, you know, that looks like what, what would just sit there and not come up to you and not approach you or whatever. And I'm thinking right off the bat, that's a dogman. That's this, this creature. And I'm like, I wasn't nervous at all, but I did something that, um, being a, a you know person growing up with animals and mm-hmm. and training, I started to urinate in front of it while I'm getting my backpack off, and it's just sitting there. And let me tell you again, six foot one, three foot grade. That's nine feet one inches. That's how tall I am. This this animal, this creature sitting there, its eye level was just shy of my eye level. So my eye level probably maybe a half a half a foot down mm-hmm. from my. So I would be about eight foot six or seven inches. That means that dog's eye level, that creature's eye level was eight, eight foot, seven inches. So if that thing stood up, you're looking at about a 10 to 12 foot type of creature if it went on its, its hind legs. But right now it's on its haunch. My buddy's like, get in the car, Bri, get in the car, Bri. And um, I get my stuff in there and we don't have firearms. I live in New York City. I don't have a firearm. He doesn't have a firearm. And a lot of places that we do investigate may be federal property. It's a huge federal offense to be on there. So we know we don't carry any of those. Even if some people are licensed, they're still not allowed to carry. So I'm getting the stuff in the car and all of a sudden this thing, it's not moving this whole entire time. We're there for about a good five minutes. And then eventually it just starts, it lowers itself to the ground and disappears. Well, at that moment, my buddy's like, get in the car. I'm going to leave you here, get in the car. I start getting the goose pimples and I just know something's going to happen. And I just start feeling very uneasy. And I'm thinking this thing is coming to me. So we got in the car and we jet. And we just got out of there. But when we do a little more research the area, this creature has been seen there. Um, it is, they describe it as a, a werewolf. It looks like a giant wolf. Um, they don't see it, say of it, you know, walking on hind legs. Um, mm-hmm. But they said, oh, it's probably a koi wolf. The koi, koi wolves are huge. They're humongous. This was bigger than a koi wolf. Um, we have yet to go back there again. But this was definitely, in my opinion, a dogman. It was one of the seven kinds. And I was very shocked that we didn't have an altercation because by me doing that action of urinating, if you know anything about dogs, that's a dominance thing. So I was saying to that dogman, like, you're mine. I, I'm, I'm the boss here. Mm-hmm. And he was probably looking at me like, these guys are crazy. 
who's this guy? He's crazy. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go challenge him. And once he disappeared, I mean, like literally, no more than 25 feet from me. That's how close he was. And wow. it was. I, I've always I've known on investigations that when you get this goose pimples, where I get it, the goose flesh. That means things are happening. I, I, I sense that type of stuff. So I hope you were wearing a GoPro or something and got this footage. No, you, you know, it, it's, it's actually, we left this investigation, so everything comes <laughs> off. And, and between that investigation and another investigation we had where our recorders didn't work, I'm, using, I'm the tech guy as well as being like the number, number two in charge over there. And I said to, to, to my buddy, I said, from this point forward, I have a body. I bought a body camera. I'm buying another body camera. I'm putting it on my back. I will have two body cameras rolling 24. You know, if I'm out there for two days, they will last two days. They last for 85 hours. So I have, I mean, and they, they record audio video, night video. Um, so I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I will not be in that position again. You know, it's, it's always when you don't expect it, like you're waiting for a phone call <laughs> and you're like, I'll just go out and get the mail now. And then the phone call happened. You know, that's what it was like. Um, but if you ask him, it was the same. It, it, there's, if you've been in this, and I'm, I'm going to, I'm not meaning to call it a game, but if you've been in doing this research long enough, you, you know, when you're in a situation where things are going to start happening, there's yeah. a certain, I guess, sixth sense, a tingle or something that takes place and it, or, you know, our psych, we have a psychic for a group. She's in Arkansas. She'll tell you what's going to take place. Boom, boom, boom. And when you start seeing those, all those start registering those mile markers, those postmarks, you're like, uh, yeah, we're at that point right now. And, you know, but yeah, no, I wish I had a, I, I, you know, I wish I had a GoPro for that. Um, but <laughs> you know, it, it would have been interesting because I would have loved to, I have it in seared in my head. Um, and I'm not really thrilled about maybe putting a chip inside and connecting to a computer at this point. Have you seen a sketch about. artist? Um, we do have a sketch artist. I actually am an artist, so I've, I've kind of drawn uh, uh, what this kind of this this thing looks like. It was, it was, it was large. I mean, it was it was just as wide as I am, if not a bit wider. And it just sat there, and it was so such. I didn't see any of the claws or the or the haunch. I just saw it sitting there. And I, I've had dogs in my life. Dogs don't just sit there unless they're super, super trained. You know, if, if you're a military dog and they tell you to stay, you stay. That's your position. Until you're relieved of that, you will stay. This was not that. This, that dog should have been, I thought we, it was going to come at us initially. That's how close it was. But it just stood there. And it was very, it was like a statue. Um, it was very odd. I tried to get my buddy with us to go back there and see if we can find some, um, uh, you know, marks from the, you know, footprints. Mm -hmm. See, the dogman has a very interesting footprint. It has the haunch and it's almost like, um, it has like two claws on the side and it's like something in the middle. It's, it's a really weird, it's like a tri-clawed footprint. Um, and I was hoping that, you know, we'll get something like that. But we never went back. It was, you know, we, we, you know, each of us have our own little personal things we have to take care of for our lives. But uh, one day we're going to go back. There. We have plenty of places in New York State where there are dogman sightings and um, we can go to them. It's just not the crypt that I want to see. <laughs> That's interesting. You know, 
like like down here, like I say, it was is is a really popular uh, cryptid. However, right. however, there might be an actual explanation for it here, where I'm at, because uh, I did an interview with somebody and he had a, a theory that it was a that there were kangaroo sightings at night. Now, I know people in New Jersey oh. don't have kangaroos as pets. However, right. down here in the South, people do. <laughs> I, I didn't even know that people have kangaroos. It's funny because um, there's, there was a show on called Expedition Bigfoot. Yeah, yeah. And, I watched it all the time. <laughs> yeah. And and actually, I'm, 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 a, I'm one of the, I guess, talent from Corridor 13. And the lead of that, Russ Accord, He's he that's his company. So mm-hmm. I, I got on with them because you know when you when you get into the I didn't get into this business to be famous. I get into this to answer questions, but there is a side product and you want to be represented properly. So that's what it's for. But um when they on the last season they had some DNA evidence and they said there's some chimpanzee in there. And people were like perplexed, like, ooh, you know. But I'm not because my father used to tell me growing up in New York. There used to, you know, cheetah, the 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 chimpanzee for Tarzan was purchased in a in a pet store in Times Square. They used to sell <laughs> yeah. these things. So yeah. my dad used to get alligators from his mother, mm-hmm. his grandmother from Florida. You know, I'm like alligators. You know, so the rumors are true. They're in the sewers. So you saying kangaroo, I could possibly see that. And and you know what? Um, I'm trying to think of it visually. The one difference is the kangaroo, you know, what I saw, the ears were really, it was very dog-esque. It wasn't like a kangaroo. There's, there's a little bit different shape to the ears. It almost has like a loop and then another mm-hmm. loop on a kangaroo. But I, that, that's a great. It is um, a good one. And, and also, oh like, like you mentioned it being different. Like, like down here in the south, if, if kangaroos have gotten loose and are mating in the wild, chances <laughs> are, though, They've adapted to the environment, and yep. some of their physical features may have also changed. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, because they're eating a different diet, they're living in a different environment. They're accl- and then year after, well, generation after generation, will be more adapted to that environment. Right. Yeah, you know, I, what's the Darwin-esque type of uh, when in doubt, uh, life will, will always find a way to continue type of thing um that's that's probably one of the best um responses i ever got or or uh answers uh, for this cryptid and that could definitely be something i mean you know you're not expecting to sing a kangaroo right you know like well is that a kangaroo <laughs> you know because, they, because when they stand, we don't think about, about that that's not type. the first thing that comes through our head <laughs> yeah no 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 it, it you know you, you're you know Especially if you grew up in the South and they have some of these great storytellers down there and they could tell, they could scare the paint off a house. Um, and so you got that in the back of your head and then you come up with something and it's a kangaroo. You're like, Oh my God, I'm going to die. But I'll tell you the difference. This is from my experience and from a lot of people we've interviewed and, and people you'll actually hear on some other shows, um, that have had an encounter with what they call the dogman. Um, there's something it people use it t- the wrong term. They use mind speak. Like it talked to me in my head or invaded my, my, my mind. It's not mind speak. It's a mental telepathy thing. And 
they've gotten things where they've heard in their brain, you need to leave here or you're in the wrong place. Or a hunter has come up against something and is getting ready. He goes, that would be a foolish mm -hmm. thing to do. Because these cryptids, out of all of them, are extremely intelligent um, creatures. They're really wickedly smart. And they love to mess with humans. So, but there's, there's that, I, I don't know what it is. It, it's a certain ability they have, which you feel it. Uh, I call it infrasound. I mean, with, with Sasquatch, I'm thoroughly convinced both Sasquatch as well as Dogman, you have the ability to take infrasound and use it against you. Mm -hmm. Also to, to create uh, uh, distortions and visual fields because it's all based on a wave. Right. Um, and there's many times when, you know, we, we've had a couple of encounters where you feel it, you know it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. You can feel the pressure. It's like uh, summer rain coming in. You know, you can smell it, you can feel it. But with the kangaroo, your fear will take precedent. But, you know, if you see the thing bouncing around, <laughs> you know, afterwards, different things. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, those other phenomena, though, the infrasound and also the telepathy is also very common with Bigfoot. And yes. um, you know, I've, I've interviewed like Ron Moorhead. And, right. He's a great guy. And, great, solid guy. And, and he talks a lot about like, um, if you really want to encounter a Sasquatch, not to go out banging on trees and howling, but to sit out there, kind of meditate and open your mind and invite him, you know. And yep. also, I recently had a guest. His name was uh, Sunbow True Brother. And, I, yep, I know him, too. I don't know him personally, but I know of him. Yep. And, and he also, you know, he wrote the book um, Sasquatch's Message for Humanity, where he had a telepathic communication with Bigfoot and reveals well you know that bigfoot was related to humans and the star elders and they're right. just concerned about the planet and what we're doing um yeah um i'll tell you when i first started with this i was under the gigantopithecus theory great ape i was too, too but not anymore right okay and uh, i'll let you know something i did study i studied physics I was thinking about being a physicist or an astrophysicist at one point, and I, I love sciences. But then I realized, hey, I can't make money doing this. <laughs> you know, like I'll be working at a McDonald's and doing university work. But um, so one of my loves was physics, and quantum physics was starting when I started. You know, it was like a, just a thought. You know, but we had an encounter at a lake, and it's upstate New York. And we were doing an investigation, a day-night investigation. And to get to this lake, you can get take you can take three paths. You can go through the lake, but it's filled with radiation. There was a radiation lake in it. We're not doing it. There was one goat path uh, to the to the right of us, which I mean, you would kill yourself to do it. You need real equipment to to climb up to get to the the other end of the lake, the top of the lake. So we walked the longer path. It's about two to three miles. From the point where we finally set up our, 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 you know, investigation to where you get out. And technically it's on the Appalachian Trail and it straddles that in a, in a park. Mm -hmm. So we kind of, you're allowed to be there. And we would hear some tree knocks. We'd, you know, hear, you know, rock knocks and it was getting exciting. No one was there. It was three of us. Um, and it started getting dusky and it's, we started hearing like something walking on the, the foot, you know, the leaves. 
the foliage there. And there was a pressure that started building when we were there and it started going and going, you know, just getting very intense. It was just like, you know, you're looking around a lot more and you, and over the night we had a lot more tree knocks and we had rock knocks and the tree knocks seemed to come from, uh, the way we were sitting, it would be to our West on the other side of this lake. There was, you know, a couple of knocks and there was, a couple of tree knocks on our side. And we're like, that's interesting. And at one point, you you can hear something walking in the brush. And uh, the best way to describe it is if you've ever been to an agricultural fair or an outdoor circus and the elephant comes in, mm-hmm. you feel that when it walks on the ground. This was bipedal and extremely large. Coming in an area, it's pitch, you know, eventually it was pitch black and where it could, it should not be. We couldn't see a thing. At one point, this thing makes a bluff charge towards us. Um, to one guy, uh, we're sitting there. So just going to try to give you a visual. If you're looking at a sitting, I'm all the way to the right. This guy bills all the way to the left and my buddy Al's in the middle. Well, the bluff charge came from where Bill was and he got up to run. We grabbed him. Because uh, he would have killed himself. It's pitch black. You, you're going to either poke your eye out, hit the tree, or die, or all of the above. And so we formed a triangle. And, you know, like, no, no, this, you know, we were waiting, waiting for something to come out, like a cat or a bluff charge, like from a bear. And it didn't happen. So we turned the lights on and we go looking. We have infrared. We have FLIR. We have full spectrum. We have all these cameras, a light that's like 6 million candle watt power. I mean, we're lighting up this, this forest. Nothing. We said, okay, we run up this ridge, nothing. Don't hear it leave, nothing. Shut the lights off. We settle back down. Everybody kind of calms down for the, the, you know, the next moment. We hear a tree knock again on the other side, away from us, on the, on the other side of the water. And the next thing you hear is whoop, whoop. And then a third whoop at the other end of where the lake is. And I mean, you felt it reverberate in your chest. Wow. And my buddy has, has a parabolic mic on. He goes, I think there's people here. I'm like, that was no people right there. It was a huge whoop. Um, and, and I, I mean, it was as if it was 20 feet. It, it was powerful. It's, you ever been to a concert? You feel the bass mm-hmm. in, your, in your chest? Just like that. I mean, it, my, I was fight or flight moment. Did and you I said, it? no, no, no. Oh, well, yeah, we, we thought we did. We had the cameras rolling, but it did, you know, there's a whole bunch of different uh, things, effects that, that happened that night with our equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, 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 it went from point A, which was literally no more than, I'm going to say no more than 20 feet from me, to point, you know, B down on the other end of the lake, uh, two, two miles away in an instant. And it was at that moment that I knew that what in order to be able to go from point A to point B, that significant distance, you have to be able to open up a portal or interdimensional, travel in it to get out to the other side. Mm-hmm. It's just a logical, physical, if it's physics based. Because you mentioned Ron Moorhead. Yeah. And you know what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And I was never in this camp before, but after that moment, that is the only explanation for that point forward. And after that, I was like, oh, my God, that, you know, this is 
they are interdimensional. We settled back down. We weren't leaving. It realized we weren't leaving. And it got a little upset with us. And you, the last thing we heard, I heard something flying from behind me through the, the trees. It was breaking off, you know, branches there. Ginormous. I'm not going to say a boulder, but a big, big rock, more than I was able to pick up. I'm a big boy. You know, this is a couple hundred pound rock. It lands behind my chair, could have killed me, rolls, rolls, hits my chair and throws me out of the chair. That's how big the rock is. Wow. And at that point, the pressure goes away. The intensity goes away. It was like, it was literally like someone popped the balloon. What, what just happened here? And we're not feeling any more pressure, nothing. We look around again. And my deduction from that moment was there was three of us. It gave us three whoops. It tried to get us out of that area for a reason. And I think it was because the, the, the other rock knocks that were coming on the other side of the river were maybe family. And it, it but since it couldn't get us out of the way, it said, whoop, 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 there's three of them. Take the long way home. And after that, we never heard any more rock knocks or any of that stuff. Um, we had another encounter that night where we said, you know, after a few minutes, we packed up. We were going to go to another end of the of the the um, the lake to go to another place to investigate. And I'm packing my stuff up and I have this camera and I was about to put it in my bag. I took it out and something said to me, said, Brian, don't be that guy that isn't ready when something happens. So I put it in my breast pocket instead. And what I loved about this camera was it's one of those scuba cameras. So it's mm -hmm. the low light. It, so it's an Olympus. I've got the name of uh, T4, I think it was. Um, it, it does something with taking low light where you don't need a flash, but it gets it. Um, and it's amazing pictures in low light. And I put it in my pocket and we're walking. And as we're walking, it's a beautiful night. It's a full moon. There's a meteor shower. By the way, it's Halloween. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> there's three of us at a lake and you can see the stars are out and, and we get to the top of the lake to get to this point. We walk from our location to the top of this lake and I see that you can, I look up in the sky and you see this orange light, which looks like a yellowish orange light moving from what I would say east to west. Okay. And it was odd. It just didn't make a sound. It was, it wasn't like, I'm using right now a LED light, so it's a little bit brighter and whiter. This was more like a, the old style incandescent type of stuff, mm -hmm. which no one uses in helicopters or anything anymore. I don't think they even have them. Um, and without missing a beat, we, we all have our headlamps on. I go, what is that? And I point to it. Now, mind you, you can see me, but this thing, you see this little orange thing traveling from the east, right in front of me, perpendicularly, going to the west. And as soon as I said, what is that? It stops. And then it starts coming at us. So at this point, I'm like, this is getting good. And I go in and I pull out my video camera while I'm watching this. It's 20 feet above us in the trees. You can't see it. It's black, but there's a, like an electronical humming sound coming from it, mm -hmm. kind of like a motor. And it's my friend, it's my buddy Al, me, and this Bill's behind me. And at that point, I take, I, you know, I've taken out the camera. We shut off our lamps so, you know, it doesn't see us. I start hit record on the video. And I did record this. It's at Bronxville Paranormal Society on YouTube. You can see it.
and there's a little bit of cursing on it and I'm recording and I'm like, I'm filming it and you can hear it in the film. You can hear like a, and it stops and then like a scanning type of sound. And you, and you hear my buddy go, Al goes time check. And Bill says nine 15. So it's nine 15 PM. I'm filming it. And he goes, Oh my God. You feel, I'm said, I'm filming. I'm filming it right now. We're saying, what is it? The next thing you hear, now this is a video that lasts for maybe 30 seconds, maybe a minute. I forgot the, the total duration of it. But if there's a UFO in front of me, I'm not shutting that thing off until the battery dies. That's that, you know, that's logical for an investigator. I'm filming it and then it hits us with a light. It literally shines a light right on top of all of us through the trees. It's looks like it's scanning and we're frozen. Now my buddy Al, who's in front of us is like, please God. He's praying right now. Not that there's a UFO. He goes, please don't let them get abducted. I don't want them getting abducted. I don't want the responsibility. I'm not really thrilled about getting abducted. I'm not even thinking that. I'm like, this is the greatest thing in the world. We just had some kind of Bigfoot encounter. And now we're having a UFO encounter. You can't, you know, you can't get any better than this. And you hear in the video, my buddy Bill changes from 915 to, I don't know. What is it? Very monotone. Now, for some reason, we stopped and we walked to the next location. So we're from the point where we were, we had this video to the next location. Literally, was like no more than 10 minutes. It's like literally up a little, little, you know, clip. And then we were there. Mm -hmm. So we set up, we're doing our things. We get to the next location and uh, everybody's doing their thing. And we want to call our psychic back because she's in Arkansas. And when we called her when we had the Bigfoot encounter. There was so much pressure there. It sounded like she had Bell's palsy. She couldn't really talk. So she gets us, get up. We, we're about to call her. We'd be there, what seems like at least 30 to 40 minutes. And then we see these red lights and these green lights and we shine lasers at them and they, they bounce off. You know, they, they just, they literally avoid getting hit by the laser and then they disappear. We said, let's give Cindy a call. So my buddy goes to me, he goes, time check. I look at my watch and it was no more than uh, maybe th 20 to 30 minutes. We were there. It is 10 to 12 PM. We're two, missing two hours time. of time, two hours of time. And we're like, me, you know, that, that can't happen. I said, well, you know what? Maybe it's the watch. Maybe, you know, whatever. We get her on the phone. <laughs> She's like, where the hell are you guys? You know, I'm like, uh, we're telling her what happened. The next thing you know, we hear people. It sounds like a mother, father, and some kids walking in the woods, 12 midnight on Halloween, like having a pleasure, pleasure, you know, troll, you know, stroll through the forest. So Al hangs up on her quickly and we say, look, let's put our lights on. We don't want to scare these people. We have machetes, you know, it'd be kind of freaky if you had your family, you saw three guys in the dark. So we turn the lights on because it sounds like we're just going to come around the corner. Nobody comes around the corner. So we're like, what the heck's going on? We call our, our psychic Cindy back. Cindy gets on the phone and she goes, you're in a time rip. They're not there. They're going to be there tomorrow at this time. That's why you're hearing. So, and we told her about the missing time. She goes, yep, you're in a time rip. There's a rip in time and space. And then she starts describing things that are watching us right now. She calls them, I'm sure your guests have mentioned, uh, the guardian of the woods. Mm -hmm. Spirit guards, be it be it uh, indigenous, you know, tribes, right. Bigfoot, Sasquatch, 
And as she's saying it, I'm seeing these things start to like, it looks like we're being encircled by these things. I see these little objects. It was just the craziest night. And we, we do a little bit more investigation, but after that, we're like all wiped out entirely. We decide, let's just go. Now, normally after an investigation, with what I described to you, we'd be like, we go to a diner, we get some coffee, something to eat, and we go through what, what happened. We walked out there like, like nothing ever happened. And we all go our separate ways. So I'm driving from upstate New York down mm-hmm. to New York City, and I'm, I'm looking around as I'm driving. I remember panic. Get home. I do my traditional, get my, my stuff off, uh, cleanse myself, and then I go to bed. My wife and my two kids, they go out, you know, because they go to Sunday school. So they're out. And I'm there, and I, I wake up with this blue in my mouth that looks like I ate a Smurf. And there's a metallic taste, and the phlegm's bluish green. I'm like, so I call my buddy out, like, are you, I, I got this taste in my mouth. What the heck, you know? I said, is anything wrong with you? He goes, I feel like there's something in my lip. I said, okay, well, you call Bill. Find out if something, something happened to him. So I hang up with him, and within a minute, my wife comes in, like, oh, daddy. And they go, what happened to you? And I'm like, I'm standing there without a shirt on. I feel like Homer Simpson at this point, you know? <laughs> you know, it's Sunday. And I'm like, I'm like, what are you talking about what happened? He goes, those bruises. I looked out on my chest. I have two bruises on my chest in the front. I never got hit by anything or anyone. Not even a bag coming around or whatever, holding a bag. Sometimes you get a bruise. My buddy calls me back. He goes, Bill woke up in the morning screaming like a maniac and scared the hell out of his mother. And we realized at that point that something major league has happened and we need to investigate it. Now, we had it all set up to get regressed. My buddy Al took the initiative, but we all agreed that if we're going to do this, we'll get regressed together. So he went out and he contacted a friend of ours, Rosemary Ellen Kyle which you may know of. And she was, oh, such a, such a wonderful person and one of the best research investigators and authors out there, the real deal. You know, she's not just writing about it. She's mm-hmm. experiencing it. And she agrees to regress us. Well, Al starts to me, he's going to go by himself. And I, and I said, look, you know, we need to do this together. In the same time, I send my video to a friend of mine named uh, Derek Tyler, who's out in the West Coast. He wrote a book, Alien, uh, um, al- uh, uh, aliens, uh, uh, a difficult truth. I forgot the name of the actual book. And that's the only book I've ever read in the subject of aliens that really scared the hell out of me. I'll find you the name of the book for, for mm. what, for what it is. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, the things they describe is just, uh, out of this world. So I send him the video and you can watch it on YouTube. And he goes, I said, what do you think of this? He goes, you guys got scanned that night. You got downloaded. And I said, what? He goes, you got downloaded. I said, okay, do you think we should get regressed? We're thinking about regressing. And he says to me, he goes, tell me how you sleep. You sleep okay at night? I said, well, you know, I have a difficult time sleeping. I have two daughters. <laughs> you know, it's going to be worrisome. He goes, well, do you have nightmares? You wake up. And I said, no. He goes, don't get regressed. Because the minute you get regressed, you're going to open up a box you can never close. So from wow. this point forward, I've never closed it. Man, you, you I've hit, never opened it. You would have hit every point on the MUFON questionnaire. Oh, I we with, with that it, experience. It, it's it's actually I have I, the book is coming out. I've I've written it down for my own sake to put it out there because this was a couple of years ago when we told it 
uh, we invited the host uh, from the Mallard Report. I said, Jim, you can come out with us. He goes, no, I'm good. It's not going to happen. You had the perfect storm. You literally had every aspect of it. And you couldn't write a better script to this. And <laughs> it's, it's, you know, to this day, I still don't know what happened in the missing time. I don't want to know. Right. I don't want to know. You know, the only thing I would ever want to know, and I joke about <clears> this, is if I have alien children, mm-hmm. if I, if, you know, if I was helped to create a hybrid child, I just want the child's social security number so I can declare it on my taxes. That's uh-huh. the only reason why. It's funny because I've been reading um, one of Kathleen Martin's books about, um, you know, to basically help abductees cope with being abducted. Yes. And, um, you know, like the bruises, the missing time, the, the weird taste in the mouth, everything, it, everything is there. The only know, thing, the only thing that's missing is, and I don't know if you, maybe it isn't missing, is afterwards, did you start feeling, have, uh, any enhanced psychic abilities that you noticed? Better intuition? I've always had good intuition and from I, I ever since I was little when we discussed I mm-hmm. started because I, I watched In Search of. That's that's where I grew up and you grew up the same way. Um I've always been a had a, a, a draw to science and the planets and, and NASA and whatever. And when I used to look up I, this I can't explain it other than I need to be there. I belong up there. I've always said it. But I, I used to play little games when I used to come back in high school. Like I'd sit in the back of a bus and I'd focus on somebody, turn around, turn around, turn around. And eventually they'd turn around or I'd have like, when someone has a bad day, I kind of feel it. So I didn't, I wasn't really looking into this, but basically I am an empath and I do have abilities. Mm. I call them, I do remote viewing right. and I've done it very successfully. Um, but has it picked up? I don't, I, I don't say it, you know, I, I don't know if it really has picked up, uh, because of that event, but I know that as I use these abilities and it was confirmed to me by, uh, a, our psychic, I, it's like a muscle. And that's also better. another commonality though, is people who already have abilities are usually the ones who end up making contact because right. you already have some ability to move past this dimension. So it makes it easier for them to do it. You know, I, and, and I totally agree with you with that it's, it's funny before I met my partner, Al, we met him at a, at a group that meets about, you know, UFOs and whatever I met. A, um, we had a, we had a difficult time having our first child. It's, it's something that a lot of people have experienced over time. And I met this girl. She's a, an empath. Um, and she, she, she came up to me. She was doing a presentation. There was a friend of a friend of the group's. And she was, you know, answering questions for people. And we're out there. I said, you know, you were fantastic. It was a pleasure to meet you. She goes, you know, your daughter's a star child. And I'm like, what? She goes, you know, she didn't even know. I never mentioned it to her. She goes, your daughter's a star child. And I'm like, uh, how do you, how do you know that she is? And my daughter's kind of unusual. She's a great kid, super smart, very, I've noticed that a lot of these, these kids are more introverted. Mm-hmm. Um, very artistic. Um, and being female, most female children have, um, uh, more in touch with their abilities. They all, everybody has ability. Everybody has these gifts, right. but they're more in tune to it. So it was just odd. Um, 
I think there is, you know, this possible connection to it. I mean, we don't just, there's no such thing as coincidence. We're talking for a reason. I know this guy who knows this woman who knew you. She was on your, you're talking to me, but we would have met either mm-hmm. way. We we're meant to meet. Oh, absolutely. Every one of your guests, I think we were meant to meet. But getting back full circle to like these cryptids and, and, you know, when you said Ron Moorhead, I loved his last book, Quantum Bigfoot. It's incredible. Because it explains it all. And I think when you said it, you know, when you, you have these interactions with being extraterrestrials and only this happened to me two weeks ago, out of the blue, I was extremely tired. I never had, I remember my dreams and I have a lot more experiences than dreams. So a lot of things take place when I'm at that level where I'm, my consciousness is resting and I can actually, I call it vibrating at a higher frequency. That's when you, you have the best REM sleep, whatever, mm-hmm. but I don't have REM sleep. I have experiences. I wake up. I can tell you all the details in it, you know, versus a dream. Like there was a dog selling, you know, you know, coffee on the corner. It wasn't that this is like boom, boom, boom. So what I do sometimes takes place while I'm at rest. Um, so, you know, I, I was really tired. I got up and I, I've never really had like, alien dreams some people that have had interactions with these mm-hmm. beings get they start to be get the information revealed to them and more alert to it by dreams that's how it takes place for some people because it's easier to digest for them i'm sitting actually in the chair i'm sitting in right now and i just close my eyes for a minute lean back because those tires during the day and i literally saw what looked like one of these you know the masks they use in surgeries to give you gas yeah kind of like a clear mask well this was like a brownish color but clear plastic it distinctly had it had a yellow circle with a dot in the middle of it above it was a cross and then there was like what looked like and it's not an equals but uh, um there was a three squiggly lines i've got the name of it in, in uh, math um it was on there and as i'm looking at this mask coming at me i can see through the plastic and what I see staring back at me is a gray alien, but not your typical Whitley Strieber grays. Those are worker bee aliens. Mm-hmm. Those are extraterrestrial biological entities that are cloned for more. There are other grays that are significantly taller, that are smarter, mm-hmm. and they're the real brains behind those grays. And this thing was looking, I mean, it was a split second and then I was out and I woke up like, what was that i've never had that kind of thing before and i woke up immediately i'm like whoa so i don't know if there's something to that oh there is i interviewed somebody a guy in israel his name was his name was yossi and he had a story about he was dreaming the 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 aliens entered his dream first and he saw the aliens in his dream. And then he, when he woke up, they were actually there in the room with him. So, so not only were they in his mind, but they were also physically there. Well, we, we have interviews with people that have, of abductees and experiencers. Um, a lot of them in New York state. And we have people that know they've been abducted and they're very free. We have a group called the New York state UFO project that I started with, with Al. And we had meetings in 
a little bit north of New York City in a place, Yonkers, live meetings where people can congregate and discuss the latest thing going on that, but also their experiences. And we were upstate New York. We had people that were living. We had a woman that came in. She feels that she's being abducted, but she doesn't have the full experience. But her children are drawing reptilians. And they have this, this one of their children was uh, five years old and says, you know, you're not my real mother, but I still love you. Now, that's kind of weird to say to some, you know, your parent. I've heard this before, though. Right. So so she's kind of getting a little bit freaked out by it. And so she wanted to find some more answers. Basically, her kids were being multiple abductions by reptilians. Mm -hmm. And she has also been uh, uh, abducted by reptilians. And, you know, they don't know if if there's a biological connection between the the real mother right there that, that was there and the kids or or what the reptilians are telling these children they are, but they said they're reptilians. So they're, she's freaked out. When you come into our meeting, I have this big poster that is literally over eight feet tall. It's long. Um, and what we do is I try to create these huge posters in actual size of what a gray would look like, the larger grays. I have a reptilian and I have some other thing. I have a dog man. I have a Bigfoot. So that if, you know, you could stand by it and say, mm-hmm. look, look how big he is, you know. Um, she walked in and she was beyond unnerved. She, you, there's a look about, like, like I don't like that poster. Can you take that down? So out of respect, we did take it down. And that's when we've discovered her reptilian experience. You know, she hadn't, she hadn't didn't want to have anything to do with them. But basically, where she lives in New York State, there apparently is an entire community of reptilians living there and we're we're going in there we're trying to be very ginger about it because of the other species they are very aggressive and they do not like humans to begin with so if you push them we could wind up you know being on a plate or missing and i need to be around for a little bit longer so i think that reptilians are native to earth and we are not Thanks. native to Earth. We we we've sort of invaded their planet. <laughs> you know, we have reports of of reptilians from outer space or extraterrestrial, mm-hmm. and we also have reports of reptilians from inner Earth. Mm-hmm. Now it's very interesting. So if you if you look to and I don't know how religious anybody is, but if you look to the Holy um, Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him. We humbly say, uh, uh, humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the, of the Heavenly Host, thrust into hell Satan. And here's the catch: and all the other evil spirits seeking to ruin the soul of man before heaven, earth, and whatever, and God created humans, man, whatever. There were these other creatures here. That's alluding to it. I agree with you to a certain degree that there were species of creatures or entities here, be it reptilians, be it the jinn, who that's where you get the genies from. Mm-hmm. Um, they were on Earth, and they are just as arrogant as uh, of, of the reptilians. They think, you know, they do not like man at all. The reptilians are, are not fans of man. Uh, we are an invading species. But God said whatever, according to that's if you believe in God. 
But I agree with you to a certain degree that we did. I don't know how we got here. I don't know if we were seated here or what the true origin is. But what was here before us does not like the fact that we are here. Um, it was a lot better without us. That, that, that I'll just say it that. Yeah. That's like my wife. She doesn't like ants in the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even though the ants were probably here first. Well, yeah. I mean, you're building a house <laughs> on their property, right? You know, it's, it's, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. You know, um, we just, we just bought a place in Florida. It's being built. And, you know, they give you the whole thing like, uh, you know, oh, there's a membrane we're using. And if you dig too close, you're going to pierce it. You may get bugs and whatever. You know, we're moving into a different environment we're not used to. Um, and there's going to be species that, that invade our home. But they were there before we were there. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what, folks, I don't want them there. <laughs> you know, so we're going to get rid of them just like your wife. Like, get those ant traps out of there. Um, but that's what happens throughout, you know, history. Um it's it's very actually speaking of Florida, I, we I don't want to fly. I don't I don't want to wear a mask for eight hours. It gives me a bad headache, and the whole nine. Right. So we've driven from New York down to Florida a couple of times. The last time we drove down to Florida, I was staying in in I think it was Florence, South Carolina. That was a good point. Mm-hmm. I moved from the North Carolina area to South Carolina. Took a little head start for the next day. So we're driving down there, and I use Waze, the app. It tells you how long it's going to take you to get to that point from mm-hmm. where you are. We get to a certain point, and it says, get off the highway, get off the highway. And I'm like, okay, I'm following it at this point. It's dark. What's going on? Well, eventually, the road's closed. Um, just around, I think the road is 301 or 313. I forgot the, I forgot the number. And it's we're about, we should be an hour away from, from getting to our hotel which would get me there about one in the morning. So I got my two girls in the back. They're sleeping. My wife's, you know, kind of passed out. I get off this road to 95, get into the side road, takes another side road. And I'm driving down the side old country road. And I'm like, ooh, this is like the type of stuff I remember in sleepaway camp. where I used to go up there. I was born and raised basically in this camp in northwest Connecticut. And I, I used to joke around with people. I shut the lights off because you can drive by the moonlight. Mm-hmm. If you've ever done it down, you know, when you don't have the, you know, you can do that. I yeah. mean, it's, I don't recommend it for people. I'm just telling, you know, so like, <laughs> oh, this is kind of cool. This is a creepy road. This is where stuff usually happens, whatever. So as I'm driving, I see this bright light that's, um, you know, off in this, in, in the horizon. And, and I'm thinking, well, Fort, I think it's Fort Bragg or something like that. One of them's near there. I said, maybe it's one of those, you know, drone or something like that. I said, I got some time. I'm, you know, I pull the car off the side of the road. And I look up and I'm looking at this thing and this thing's, you know, gets, it's getting bigger and bigger and brighter. And I'm like, wow, that's really cool. And then it bursts and it, it pops. It goes, it, it like, you know, gets really bright. And I'm like, whoa, it gets out. Now, meanwhile, everybody's sleeping in the car because they're always like, oh, dad, it's a UFO. Yeah, right. You know, they make fun of that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's what kids do. And then my wife does that too. So I get back and, you know, for some reason I, I, I'm in, back in the car and, the next thing I know, I wake up and I'm like, I got a headache. I'm feeling like, what the hell? You know, where, why did I just fall asleep? Cause you know, it's, it's whatever. I look and my way says, do you want to resume? And I'm like, I wasn't there that long. It was just like five minutes. And like, you know, I look on the, uh, 
the ways. And it says I'll be at the hotel by four o'clock in the morning. I'm like, uh, what the hell just happened? So I'm missing two hours of time. So I didn't say anything to anybody. I'm perplexed by this. I'm like, did I just sleep through this? And maybe I fell asleep, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. You know, you get tired sometimes, but so I get to the hotel and get there and my everybody wakes up. My wife never complains, nor do my kids about headaches. They're all saying, Oh, my head hurts. I'm like, okay, we'll go to sleep. And we wake up the next day and there's <laughs> the next day we're uh, not the next day, we we finally get down. The day a day later down to Florida and the following day, so it's a day and a half later from the event. I wake up and I got a bad headache and I'm just I'm trying to figure this out. My oldest daughter never have ever had this before. She has a nosebleed that is off the hook. Chunks of stuff coming out. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And I'm starting to calculate something must have happened. My youngest daughter has a scoop mark on her back. So I don't even bother asking about my wife. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, here we go. Another missing time episode. But maybe everybody was involved in this one. So this one I may want to investigate because it's one thing about me being taken, you know, as an adult. I don't like when they mess with my children, right. you know. Um, and what's very interesting when you said about, you know, intuitive and your more psychic abilities. Um it's very if you if you looked at the the pictures my kids used to draw when they were, you know, first you know pre K first grade you know kindergarten first. My oldest daughter used to draw. It definitely looks like alien crafts in a triangle, and she's out of space, and it looks like the gray with that that kind of look. Oh, these are and they're looking at us. And then the other one, the the youngest that I have now, again drawing these things like alien base so i think there may be a connection here and it's really weird i I, but i can't investigate my own self Hmm. it's very difficult to put your own you know i can only go so far and because these things are usually generational yeah um my grandmother no way she's had it well not that i know she may not even have been aware of it different breed you Mm -hmm. know growing up in the depression my mother she always thought that she was, oh, I'm psychic. Or I'm like, you're not psychic. You know, I don't know. She exaggerated a bit. Uh, but I don't think, you know, she could have very well have had something. But I know for a fact I do what I do. I can do what I do. Um, I can't explain it. I'm so logical that when I get these, I guess, precognitive uh, abilities or, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say I was a psychic. My, my, our psychic for the group says, I'm a psychic. A friend of mine, Carl Petrie, bro, you know, who's, uh, uh, he's really psychic. He says, no, you're a remote viewer. You know, it's like tomato or tomato. Take your pick. <laughs> but it, like, what does it matter at this point? But right. I, I definitely do certain things. I've, I've kept it very close to myself. I've only told primarily my friend, uh, that I do investigation with Al Santariga. And I always tell them the same thing. I'll, I'll have a situation where it's going to like affect these people. I saw these people in a dream and this happened X, Y, and Z. And it's crazy. And I said, do you think I should tell them? And he's like, yeah, go ahead. You know, like it's not him that's telling them, you know. And but so I but the start... abduction scenario is also generational. Well, I, there's nobody I can really ask. I mean, um, I mean, if they picked you up, 
And then you find scoop marks on your daughter. Yeah. I don't think. Well, I'm I'm poking I'm poking that you know that beehive right because I do this. This is what I do. This is my it's my hobby. It's a love of mine. You know, besides I do you know graphics and whatever. But you know when you're poking the bee or you poke the bear long enough, the bear wakes up and smacks you. So this could be this residual from my point forward. But I agree with you because we have cases that go back generations, several generations. And a lot of these people that are like, I have a lot of friends that are psychics and they know they're psychics. Their parents knew they're psychics. Their kids are psychic. And instead of hiding it, they're actually doing the right thing. In my opinion, they're, they're opening up and welcoming, you know, they're helping them deal with what they can do. Um, in my case, I started to get a little bit more freer with it because I have a, a, a fraternal brother who I love to death, this guy. And I, this was um, last April it happened, the past April. Again, this happened in sleep. I walked into a store in New Haven, Connecticut. I was talking to his daughter-in-law, who, mind you, I've never met in my life. Um, and his son, again, never met in my life because they're in New Haven. I said, how's he doing? They said, he's doing much better. Thank you. I'm like, good. That's good to hear. And I knew it was a heart-related problem, like a heart attack. And, and it was like, thank God they got to him quick enough. I knew this was very important. I, I, was, I felt that emergency. So when I went to, you know, to, and I was visiting my brethren in, in, in Lodge, um, I went up to him. I said, look, I don't care if you think I'm crazy. This is what I saw. I saw your daughter. I described what I saw this woman with a, a blondish, you know, brunette and about the size and what colors in the waves and his son, which I've never seen because they're always one's in California, one's in New Haven. And I said, you got to be careful, you know, please be careful because, uh, I'm worried about your heart. Go to you, go see your doctor, go just be very careful. And he was very thankful. He took it in and so on and so forth. Now he's retired and he, he does. I guess what, what retired people do in New Jersey, he's from New Jersey. Well, he's English, <laughs> but he's, he lives in New Jersey. He's a crossing guard. Okay. So he, he you know, it's like I've bored him up already, mm -hmm. you know, cross the guard. There was a moment less than probably three weeks after I told him in April where he, and mind you, and this was just when co that, that C stuff started. I don't even want to mention the word, but, um, so he's there and some car comes flying through, blows the light. Oh, he pulls this kid out, almost hits him and hits this child. And what he, after he was done with it, he didn't realize it, but he felt terrible and awful. He blew one of his stents. And he remember what he said. He said, I remember what you said. I remember what you said to me. So I told his wife, he goes, take him to the hospital. Took him to the hospital. They found out he blew a stent. If he waited any longer, he would have been dead. Hmm. They got him just in time. They put a new stent in and everything was fine. And just so your audience will know, I described his daughter-in-law to a T as well as the son. Wow. So there are moments where I'll get some crazy stuff. And if it's not life-threatening, I'm not going to mention it. You know, I, I just... He, it, it's so hard to con convince people of this. And, you know, even though it's better these days, I don't want to go through the whole song and dance. But if I see something that it's going to happen, 
and it's like, don't go to that place tomorrow. Don't do X, Y, and Z. I will tell them immediately so that they're alerted to it. And I do use this a lot when we do investigations. So if I can't make it, I'll remote view the location. And <laughs> my buddy was at one of our Sasquatch locations. He brought these two guys and these two girls there. They wanted to come, friends of his, whatever. And I remote view and I saw the location. I said, okay, they're surrounding you. They're not going to make themselves known. There's going to be a blue light that comes up like a flame. And, you know, they're in that direction. And spot on, I was right. They, that's where the movement was coming from. And out of the blue, you know, he must have been telling them what I can do. He texts me. He goes, they want to know what color they're thinking of. Now, let me tell you something. I'm not a dog and pony show. That really, like, irked the heck out of me. I'm like, what? But I instantly knew it was green. And not only was it green, I said it's a chartreuse green. And another thing is, the minute you mentioned that, the girls are thinking of a, a, a purple and a, a, like a red. One's thinking more reddish purple. One's more thinking but bluish purple. And he laughed. He goes, they're cracking up. you spot on. It just comes to you. It's, it's, it's as if you just known it all your life. Like if I said to you the number 24, can you see what the number's in your head right now? <laughs> no. If you can't see numbers in your head, you, if I said the letter A, can you see what it looks like in your mind's eye? Oh, yeah. Like in yeah. your brain? Uh -huh. It's exactly like that. It's as if you know it. Like if somebody asks you, what's your home phone number? You go, up, 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 up. You just, that's how it appears. It's just as if it, if it comes. And it kind of freaks me out still to this day. I still use it and I work with our, I work with, I call her my Yoda, you know, in Arkansas. And, um, it's, it's an interesting thing. It, it actually adds to the investigations we conduct because you kind of get a good, it's uh, almost like a lie detector for the most part. Have you tried using this ability like in a C5 type of technique? All the time. Actually, we came up with, um, speaking of CE5, which is close encounter of the fifth kind of those people that don't know, it's an active encounter, um, which has been around before. There's another gentleman, a doctor that, you know, put claims to it, but Steve, Stephen Greer, yeah, yeah, yeah but Steve Greer, but but I think actually, I don't know if he's the person who started it, but but I, I have a friend well, Preston Dennett who started talking about it before Steve. Well, you know, it's really interesting because um, Dr. Heinick actually alluded to it in some of his notes mm -hmm. going through the series of encounters. I mean, people may have grabbed onto something, but in relationship to CU five. I'll throw you something that's you'll enjoy. Just the summer before the co the COVID hit, so that would be uh, 2019, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to throw that out. 2019, right? Because 2020 was yeah. So we do something. If you've ever heard of Pine Bush, New York, it is a UFO hotspot on the East Coast. It's where Whitley Scuba had his place. Mm -hmm. Okay, and every every summer, um, it used to be in June. Um, they uh, in May, but they moved to June. They have a UFO festival, so a one day thing. And we've been uh, myself, Al Santa Riga, and I, and Bronxville Paranormal. We we started their Paranormal Center, so we've been giving presentations for about five six years prior to this. And that year in 2019, I said we're going to do a CE5 that night because no one's ever done it up there. So we're, we get there really early. You have to get there at like five in the morning and you're there till 11 o'clock and I'm wiped out. I'm tired. And I'm like, we did three hour long presentations plus another three half an hour presentations. 
you know, we're getting something to eat. We're kind of like every day is over and we're waiting for the CE5 to take place, which is roughly about 10 p.m. Because that's when they're finished with their little um, there's three people giving presentations at a certain conference center. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to come. You know, some people are going to come over to this field Alice in Alice Court uh, in Pinebush. And I really don't want to do it. And Al doesn't want to do it. We're just tired. And we're hoping, like, oh, I hope no one comes. But when we get to this place where they're having this, this, this little conference presentation, I meet a mother and daughter that came out specially for the CE5. So I said, okay, no problem. So 10 o'clock rolls around. I said, you can follow us to the place. And I didn't think many people were going to be there. Well, when we get there, I'm meeting German TVs, uh, uh, TV8. And it was a German guy, you know, a, a regular American guy that worked in German TV that he was interviewing me the whole day there. So he's interviewing me before this takes place. We pull up to this, this location outside of the town of Pinebush. It's pristine sky, you know, and it's a little bit of a field. There's 75 people there. There's mothers and families. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I couldn't believe there was so many people. And I was kind of like, this is really great. You know, like. I didn't think anybody was showing up, but they did. And then we're getting stuff together. I'm doing the interview, and we kept getting phone calls from uh, a friend of ours, Mark Antonio. He's a he's the the head of audio and video at Mufon, and they're like, "Where are you guys? We got guys. The people are wanting to come." By the by, the end of the night, by the time we started the CE5, there was about a hundred people there. Mm -hmm. So Al was like, "You do it. I'm not doing anything." And I'm like, "Okay." So we all spread it out. We had our own chairs and people on the mats. And we look up in the sky and I said, look, what we're going to do here is an active encounter. You got to clear your mind of the day. I know it was an exciting day. You met some Travis Walton was here and all these people, but we're going to clear our mind. And what we're going to do is using our mind's eye, we're going to say, we'd like to have an interaction with you as a, as a craft, you know, and aliens. Can you please come and give us a sign? Now, from our vantage point, it was hot out. So it was a little bit of hazy, not too much. You can see the stars. And in the distance, probably about 50 to 60 miles, you can see different mountain peaks. And we see in the distance where the air traffic is going. It's totally away from where we are. So we know that the Air Force Base and Stewart International is there. And so we know where the air traffic is. So if something comes that direction, it's eh, most likely going to be non-UFO. And we're going through it. And, you know, people were, were meditating for about 15 minutes to close our eyes. And people are like, you know, just remember, you, we want to have an interaction with you. We're not asking for much. You know, we mean you no harm. And, you know, people are looking around. My friend Al has a, a big flashlight with, you know, like big power when he puts it up and he's looking and we're, we're pointing. No, that's not a, that's a star. That's not a craft. And as this is happening, I, I kind of concentrate a little bit more and I try to do a remote view to try to connect with these aliens. And I'm not, I'm not having that much luck, but I start hearing this hooting, hollering. And for me, it sounds like a couple of kids who are just behind these little woods over here, which is a small patch of trees by the baseball field. It's a small town. They're probably got beers, they're drinking, you know, whatever. And I'm about to turn to my buddy who's sitting, you know, 10 feet away from me and said, did you hear the hooting, hollering over there? When this guy comes up from behind him, I can see him in like the, the dark. And he goes, do you hear the owl? hooting and hollering, right? And I said, yeah, I was just about to hear the, you know, mention that. And the minute I said, you know, he said, yeah, well, it's an owl. As soon as he said owl, boom, right above her head appears a craft. A giant craft. 
And everybody's like, oh, this thing had a center dome structure that was as white as an LED white. And it was bright, but it wasn't blinding. There was, and you, you know, when you're looking at this thing in the center, I, I mean, it was ginormous. I would probably say it was no more than a hundred feet above us, max. I'm using building references, you know, 10 feet for every level. And it's there and we see most of it and it kind of, it's, you can see where the craft ends at a certain point and then the stars pick up. It's like a gunmetal black versus the night sky. Mm-hmm. And I could see around the light, you know, the light fixture. If you see a, a bo- like a, like a, a dome in the center, there was a hexagonal, um, something that was holding it in place. Now, mind you, everybody's like, Oh my God, they're all, they're hooting and hollering. I, I'm an investigator and I'm blown away by this. So I start signaling it. My buddy signals it. He gives it three lights. It blinks three times. We ask, he said, can you, can you, you know, thank you for making the appearance. We thank them for coming. I said, can you do something maneuvers? Can you go out to the mountains and maybe make some maneuvers and then come back here? And it, as soon as I said it, it, you see it, it just takes off and it becomes a light in the distance. It hits this mountain ridge, probably 60 miles away in a second. It makes right 90 degree turns, like, you know, shooting backwards to another mountain, then up and then down. And then the next thing you know, appears over our heads and everybody's like, whoa, you know, they're going crazy. I'm blown away by this. Unfortunately, the seven German guy that was filming for TV, he left like five minutes after I got there, after the quick interview. was like, you know, I wish he was there. He would have caught the, one of the greatest events ever on it. Everybody's crazy. It disappears. And we're like, oh, and I said, look, can you just come back for one more minute just to show us up? And the minute I said it, it, it appears again. Everybody's like, whoa, you know, oh, my God. And then it disappears. And that was it. it the, the whole experience lasted no more than 15 minutes. I, w- I was blown away as an investigator or a researcher that we were able to use our minds or consciousness to actively ask for some kind of interaction and they did it. Wow. And, and so, and this year we're doing it again. We're going to try to, I did, I did a small one for about 60 people, um, last October. Um, and we had some crafts that appeared, but there was one woman there that was making fun of it. Like, come on, come on, ET. And I find that when it's all about your intent yeah, you and a lot of open. things you talk if you about, have somebody doing that, it's going to block it out. Yeah, and so my I brought my oldest daughter there, and she took some pictures, and it was just off in the distance, and it looked like it wanted to come, but that person was like, you know, this, you know, screwing us up from that. Right. There's no way it would have it, it would have worked. Hmm. So uh, I mean, it was it was very odd. Oh, there I am. <laughs> but I, I'm hoping we get you know catch that thunder again, and this time I have a couple of. Uh, I have a couple of, of new cameras that will uh, almost like starlight and I will be running them and they don't use in, they don't use an infrared beam to capture it. It does it in, near, in mm-hmm. zero light and I'm just going to keep it running and hopefully something comes in. Um, cool. I was yeah. just trying it a couple of weeks ago. I, I'll go outside in my backyard with my dog and 
lay there and look at the sky. And most of the time, like so, like, like I had, you know, I tried a bunch of times and nothing happened. But about three weeks ago, I was doing it, and I see a plane over here flying over. It's obviously a plane, and then I see a light in the sky going this way, and it's moving like really fast, but it's going straight. So I'm thinking, okay, right. well, it's it's fast, but it's straight, so it might be a satellite or a meteor or something like that. But then it stopped, changed direction, and blinked out. <laughs> that, my friend, is is a beautiful UFO craft. That is an intelligent, controlled object. Um, I highly recommend, and I'm sure everybody has some kind of smartphone, but if you're going to do this, they, there's some free apps that will tell you if there are satellites coming over. You know, because mm-hmm. that, that is... That is a problem. There's a triangular satellite. There's three satellites that run for the U, uh, Department of Navy, which is Buku, you know, secret black black project. But if you looked at it, it looks like a triangle craft. But what you saw definitely, if something's going yeah. really quick one way and then changes direction, yeah. and, and I can tell because like I watched this guy enough to to see the satellites. Oh yeah. So yeah. so, <laughs> so I, I I know when it's just if it's just going in the same direction, the same speed. You know, yeah. you can see the curvature on it. You know, what's gotten people lately is uh, Elon Musk's uh, Starlink, um, the satellites. It, it looks like a string of pearls and people freak out like, oh, my God, you know. And then I said, does it look like a string of pearls? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can see it. And it's like dot, dot. It's, a, it's like a long you know, row of dots. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're all satellites. There was one person said, oh, it's, it's, it's Elon Musk. But it wasn't because. They broke off and they went into threes and started changing, you know, going out and then in as far as the lighting. And I'm like, those aren't Elon Musk satellites. That's not it. So um, it's really it's really intense when you get a craft or you're seeing, you know, um, I, I call it something strange, you yeah. know. Yeah, that's kind of like how I look at this, too, because it was it was far. It was distant. It was a light. So, I mean, it could... In my mind, I could still say, okay, maybe it was a meteor and then some type of atmospheric anomaly that made it appear to my eyes to zoom right. off and blink. I don't think about, it. you know, what you could try if you're interested in trying, I don't know, you know, is if you do have a, that situation, you could say mentally, well, can you wait? Wait. I just saw what you, I saw you move. Is there any way you can, you know, signal or send mm-hmm. a light? But I'll tell you. <laughs> Here's, here's my caveat for that. When Rosemary Ellen Guiley uh, gave a presentation that I was at um, about her gin, the genies, you know, the gin mm-hmm. itself, she, she autographed every book with the same thing. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, you can say, hey, can you come back and give me a sign? And then the next thing you know, you're like, you're on a table. Like, Who the hell are you guys? You know, mm-hmm. um, it gets a little bit weird. Those are the, you know, we investigate a ton of those stories. We have a, we have someone up in New York State, up upstate New York State, sent me video, and you could clearly see she thinks it's um, government or e- it's ETs, and I'm like, okay, okay, let me take the, and you can see a gray alien peeking its head out like this. It's a great video. It's a fantastic video. Wow. But we have another person that I'm friendly with that's a MUFON guy. They've investigated. They think it's like a Skinwalker Ranch type of place where there's uh, portals in there. Uh. Um, but she's like, yeah, tell them to go away. I'm like, I, I, I don't call the military. I'm not the president. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't work that way. You know? Yeah. yeah. I was actually just watching 
the most recent episode of Skinwalker Ranch before I jumped on here. <laughs> but I was, you know, it was really interesting. Funny. I was going to do the same thing. I was going to go on my History Channel app and like put it up there. Yeah. I love that place. I w- I'd love to get out to that. Yeah, I would like place. to go out there too. I interviewed um, Tom Dongo, who did a lot at um, Bradshaw Ranch in cool. Arizona, and he's yeah, he's really experienced. A lot of portals and stuff like that out there too. Um, you know, it's it's really interesting. So you move from Jersey to Alabama, but did you know that um, we have a lot of stone chambers, ancient stone chambers that pockmark all of New York State, um, and they go up into the into the New England area where. Oh yeah, like, I, I, I've, I've had Dennis Stone on. Yeah, Dennis is a great guy. He's a good friend. Yeah. I'm friends with him, and. Um, we have a there's a there's a, a stone chamber off this road we went into and what's very interesting about it is um my buddy my buddy my partner in crime here al he discovered it so it's you can stand in there and you could put you could put a bunch of people at least six people in this time it's it's not the uh like the grand king's chamber mm-hmm. where you can literally hold an affair in there um but in the back end of the wall, there's this big stone on the back end of the wall. And you look at it, you look it up close, and you see nothing. This moss, you know, it looks like a stone. If you shine an infrared or a UV light on it or you use night vision, there's three, uh, four runic wor- letters on the stone that appear. Hmm. And one of them, and I translated, like, one is earth. It's almost worth uh, fire, water, air. Or something to that effect. So we were in there one day during uh, a couple summers ago, and I had the FLIR, and I'm videotaping, and I started playing around with the Tibetan singing bowl. And we started bing, and my buddy goes, is, you know, went out to get a, a temperature gauge. And on the video, again, Bronxville Paranormal Society on YouTube, our YouTube channel, because we throw all our evidence up there, raw as well as what we find. You can clearly see what looks like because you watch Skinwalker Ranch. Remember when the rabbi came there? Oh, yeah. And he started uh-huh. doing the, it started getting like a blue like area around yeah. Homestead, too. Well, it's very funny. We had a blue, a purplish blue ring start to develop. And I am almost positive we opened a portal at that point. It totally changed. It got cooler at that point. You could see it on the FLIR just like those guys did. And we're going back to that chamber actually in about two weeks and we're going to conduct another investigation fully recorded. (laughs) We've learned, um, (laughs) I will have the body camera, but we'll have two flares from two different directions. We have, uh, infrared. We have, uh, another UV camera and a full spectrum going at once. Plus I have Geiger counter. I have, um, a dosimeter going is when portals open, there should be a radiation signature mm-hmm. and metallic. And we're going to go through frequency tone after frequency tone to see if we can open up the portal. Uh, I mean, we're not going to jump in it at this point. You know, huh? There's too much to go. But if we start seeing something develop, we want to get to that frequency or the tone and then take it to another supposed portal location and go right to that tone and see if that's, the mm-hmm. key to it um because i think frequency vibration and uh what was it energy frequency vibration is a very important key to all this paranormal activity be it uh, a ghost um ufos aliens cryptids there is a, a universal like rosetta stone key that 
they all use. And I, we think it's that. I think it is that, too. I think we all just sort of share the same space almost. Right. And have you noticed that the people, um, people, if you, if you vibrate, if you start to, I highly recommend people take five minutes out of the day to start just to meditate. Mm -hmm. First of all, you'll feel great. I'm not a hippie. I was never into this before, but this is sort of years of research. Um, when you meditate, you start changing your own frequency and what you vibrate at. And the little things that you were sweating before aren't problems anymore. Yeah. You see clearer. But I think using frequency tone vibration, that's why the great masters, you know, Buddha, Jesus, who, you know, all these mm -hmm. individuals and some of these leaders in the craft, they all talk about, you know, you got to change your frequency. You got to rise above the pettiness and see it from a different level. And once you do that, I think the power of the mind and I guess the third eye, you'll start to learn to connect better with whatever that, that grand focus of the universe is, oh, yeah. you know, the Kosh record, for mm -hmm. example. Oh yeah. I, I love, I've started meditating about uh, I don't know, 15 years ago and it, it changed my life. In fact, I used to go to like these monasteries in upstate New York. And that's, I'd go, that's, and I'd go to I those know places the monastery for, you're talking about. Well, there was two that ones. There was one was the Shambhala one. Um, there's, there's one off of Route 301. And I think that was the other one I went to. I think yeah. that was like the Zen one. Yep. And that has the, the giant, uh, like the thousand Buddhas or something. There's a giant Buddha in there and the little thousand. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, some of the stone chambers I talked about we investigate are right over there. Oh, wow. And on the other end of that road, we've had numerous uh, interactions with uh, Bigfoot there. Actually, I saw Black Triangle coming back down to New York City that was hovering over near Fawnstock Park about two years ago there. Um, mm. And we just filmed... Um, we filmed last November for a two-hour uh, two-hour special that's going to be on the Travel Channel. It's a UFO special, and we explained to them what our techniques are, and we're going to bring. You know, it's going to work again. Frequency, tone, vibration, consciousness, and I've watched. I used to watch all these paranormal shows. We brought three crafts into where we were using our techniques, and they all were caught on on starlight or flare wow. and not only that i mean we're talking about interactions like mm -hmm. something hovering and watching going by us and hovering you know it's called caught on film not only that but i was using a phonetic generator um and the minute i turned it on it said uh, layla and it just so happened it spelt it layla as in you know the derek and the dominoes layla you got me on my knees the director for this project, they had to bring in a new director. Her name is Layla. She <laughs> freaked out. So, I mean, and I, I've been, you know, uh, there's three primaries on it. We're not the primaries, uh, but we brought, you know, the stuff in there. And I know the three primaries. They're, some of them are very famous. You know, I can't mention them right now. But um, they were rather impressed with what they, they accomplished and the, what they got. It's one of the first times I'm like, thank God. Now we're going to actually have a paranormal show that actually gives you real evidence. You're going to have so, to uh, let me know when this is Oh, airs. I definitely will. And I'm also going to have to send me uh, whatever you find in that chamber when you go back, too. 
Oh, I got four weeks. Not a problem. I will. I will send you everything there. I'll send you a direct link if we, if we upload it, so you can take a look at it, and I'll yeah. tell you exactly what spots. Well, I won't tell you initially. I'll say, look, take a quick look at it, mm-hmm. and then I'll. And then when you say, if you said you take a quick, quick look at it, I said, now look at these points, and tell because what I I don't want to lead you, or I don't want anybody. One of the reasons why we put our raw stuff up there online and on our website is because. It's the same reason why you don't edit your own paper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you have a third fresh eyes look at it. <laughs> it, it, it. You know, one, it gets people that listen to us and, and may you know, be interested, involved in what the research is like. You know, yeah, you have to sit there for, for you know, if you, if you film for 24 hours straight, guess what, folks? I'm the guy that has to sit there. And my wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm listening to, you know, 20, I'm watching 24 hours of video that we recorded. So I have to watch this, but it gives you an ability as, as listeners and fans to actually take part in the investigation. Now, if we, if you find something we've missed, we want to know about it. If you, if you call us out on something, say, no, no, you guys, that's really this. We will more than happy to say, okay, debunk, we were wrong. So that's why I don't want to lead you on it. I want you to let you look at it. Mm-hmm. And I won't let you like, I won't give you like five hours worth of stuff. You know, I'll say here, here's a clip from this point. You know, but then after you watch it, I said, did you notice anything? And if you don't, I would say, go back to this point and this point and then take a look. Yeah. I do. And yeah, it's that really is. cool. I mean, you know what? There's so much stuff that goes on with all these paranormal programs where people want to get involved and they don't know how to do it. And some of them are afraid. It is. It's scary. There's certain things that are getting very scary with this, uh, you know. So we give you a safe vehicle to say, hmm. you know, I'll watch this video and, oh, I, I heard that or I saw that, you know, makes it better for everybody. I'm lucky there because I don't feel fear. Well, that's, you know, what? That, I'm that, not that, really, I think that's one of the things that made me a good uh, paranormal investigator. It's just I, I just don't feel it. No, you know what? Um, there was the only thing I don't do in paranormal because it's way above my pay grade. Is anything demonic? Really, I would love to. Well, good luck with that. I'll, I'll, I, well, I have young kids. And, you know, I don't need to come home like Daddy says to go. You know, I don't need that. You know, oh, what's up, Dad? Um, it's not. It's I'm not. I'm not trained, built, or equipped to deal with that type of thing. Mm. We do have people that do do it. Um, my buddy Al is a little bit more aggressive, and he may jump a little bit close to it, but. I've got to go home at night. I have children. I've got to keep it a certain. There's a certain yeah. point where I have to say. Hands your kids off. might like it. You know, kids love conjuring demons every once in a while. <laughs> Sometimes they are demons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what's really interesting is when, like I said, I have two. I have daughters, and they are both. They both have gifts. I know they have gifts. They're intuitive and they see things. Um, and it scares the hell out of them. But the best part is my wife, who is usually the skeptic. Um, there was one part where we were, we had to move our table from one part of our, our area to another, this kitchen table. They're fixing our ceiling. So my wife's sitting there and my daughter, and it's right in front of this wall area. And at one moment, my wife told me this. She looked up and she looked, and then they both looked down and, she said, what's wrong? She goes, did you see the man there? And my wife said, actually did. She did. Yeah, there was a man there. There's no way a man could have been there. It's in the corner. 
So I try to do what I do and it wasn't working. So I, I called up our psychic and I never asked for help. I called her up in uh, Arkansas and I said, look, this is what took place. What's going on? Can you tell me what's going on? And um, she called me back and she goes, you got to tell it to go. Got to get tell it to leave right now. And I said, oh, what's going on? Is it bad? Are you going to no, no, no. He's missing half of his face. It was blown away. So this is what my child is saying. This is what our psychic is saying. And this is what the children were saying. My daughter, I have yet to sleep without a light on in my house because, I mean, there's we have a light on in our kitchen. In their room, there is a huge salt lamp with light on. Plus, they have an LED lamp. They will not go anywhere where it's pitch black dark because children, without the filters, without the poisoning of, of you know education, and I don't mean that negatively. I'm saying that you have a full sponge, and I think sometimes the education process, you know, wrinkles it out to oh, yeah. fill it with other knowledge they have they are really in touch with this stuff they're beacons of light so and they have these abilities um especially females that are going through um the the, the their first cycles you know mm-hmm. their first you know pk manifestation is real they have the ability and they're not aware of it but they definitely see and dead people um, and I think the reason why is, you know, if you if you pass away, when you die, I think you have a there is a light, you know, that it's the heaven express, it's a light. But if you don't know what's going on, you're freaked out, and you don't know you're dead, and you see this big light coming like like you know trying to point to you, you kind of run away from it. So that what happens is you get stuck between heaven and earth into the darkness or the ether of the afterlife where you're you should be up in heaven or you know or you said you know what i don't want to go to heaven i want to be a a rebel down here so picture a pitch black room right and you're there you're not aware that you're dead but all of a sudden you see a little light you know pin pin prick of light coming so you start walking towards it gets brighter and brighter and as you go to it those are all the little kids that have these abilities that's why they like you know I see dead people, you know, I knew what that movie was about the minute I, I saw that. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm bored now. You know, it's like, he's dead. No brainer. Um, so that's why a lot of these individuals, the guy that with half a face went to her because he needs help to do whatever, but he doesn't realize she sees him with half a face. So she's scared out of her mind. So, I mean, I'm very much aware of what they can do, especially with, you know, the female species upside versus the male side. Um, and I help her out as best I can. Um, and that's where, you know, that's the best part about, I mean, I love, I love this paranormal craziness. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's very interesting. And, you know, on a scientific point, it's like, how is this happening? <laughs> you know, yeah. sometimes you just can't wrap your head around it, but it's pretty cool when it when it does happen. It is pretty cool. Um, so before we wrap this up, man, and this was a pleasure. You definitely Thank have you. to come back again. Oh, anytime. Just tell me when. <laughs> <laughs> um, where can my listeners find you? Well, uh, I do a podcast uh, with Ron, the crypto guru Murphy, called Inside the Goblin Universe. And uh, we're on all podcatchers, uh, iTunes, the whole thing. So if you said, hey, Siri, uh, play Inside the Goblin Universe, it'll play whatever the latest episode is. Um, and, and I also do um, my own show called Nobo Boomy, which stands for Nobody But Me. They're all in there. Uh, I, you know, I'm on 
all social media. So if you have a, a problem or you need help or you have a question, just hit me up on Twitter, on Facebook. I mean, I'm literally on everything, Snapchat, TikTok. <laughs> I don't TikTok. My daughter doesn't like that. But I throw up like I just threw up a UFO video I got this morning mm-hmm. out of the blue from a friend. And we're still trying to vet it. But it's we're 50-50 on this right now. <laughs> you know, it looks too good to be true. And sometimes that is the case. And that's where you can reach me. And hopefully you'll see me. Um, there's a documentary coming out this summer called um, the uh, Star Children of Pine Bush, New York. And I filmed for that. And I'm in that as well with my partner, Al. Oh, so sweet. it's it's going to be really cool. This woman that put this documentary together found a photograph from her grandmother, great grandmother, who was a seamstress over at um, the, the base where Roswell was for the bombs. Mm-hmm. And in the photograph, I've seen it. Uh, is all these scientists standing there and, and her um, and a dead alien on a table? And they tested the photograph at Eastman Kodak. It is dated. And te- it is the it is the real deal. Oh wow! Yeah, so it's going to be pretty interesting. <laughs> wow, that's that's crazy. Yeah, it, I'm like I'm like I, she told me about it. I'm like I got when I was doing that CE five the second time. I'm like, I got to see this photograph. And I told my buddy Al, I'm like, I was blown away by it. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, that is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so, yeah, I will post links to your podcast. And sure. I know you have a website. And I also know you have a book on poetry or with poetry. <laughs> which I have I can... another book, a couple other books coming up paranormal-wise. But uh, they're, they're in the process. I'm still being a parent. So it's kind of hard to write and do without mm-hmm. saying would you please stop talking? <laughs> it's hell of a thumb. So, yeah, but, but we, I have a couple of books coming out. One about Bigfoot, one about uh, there's a specific road in the U.S. that I call the Devil's Highway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just getting, you know, the the gumption to, to put it out. I felt I needed to do something during this COVID. I'll put out my words and music and my poems. And, you know, you want to buy it, buy it. You don't, I'll read it to you anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for being on. And hang on for one second. I was going to play the outro. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life, because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you love what you listen to, don't forget, rate, review and subscribe.